do you remember 22 years ago? WCBS reporter Sean Adams. I got Sean. Okay. Here we go. Sean, you saw it happen? I did indeed. I was on Church Street and I was trying to help a, a gentleman who was caught in the first collapse. He was covered in white dust. And then all of a sudden we heard a, a rumble. We looked up. There was an enormous plume of black smoke billowing up above the tower. And then all of a sudden a roar. And it came down. And it didn't come down in one piece uh, like the other one seemed to do at the top. It just it crumbled. It was like a house of cards. This is truth to ponder with Bob Bierman. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. And I welcome you to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I want to take a little time at the beginning of the program to to go back 22 years. I know many young people today were not even alive or, or too young to understand what had happened on that day. I was talking to some friends of mine over the past several days looking back 22 years and what we were doing at the time, what our plans were at the time and how things changed, just literally on a dime. Now, today, I'm not going to get into any speculation of the who, the what, and the why. There are a lot of theories out there. Some of the things I believe we have been told over the years may not be completely true. But be that as it may, the fact remains, buildings came down and thousands died in New York City. An aircraft crashed in Pennsylvania. Planes supposedly went into the Pentagon and people died. In other words, there are dead Americans and there is a path of destruction that changed us deeply for a time. I'm also convinced beyond the shadow of any doubt that evil powers took advantage of that situation and whether you want to realize it or not or believe it or not, things were done in the wake of that fateful day in 2001 that has ensnared good, decent, and honest people, stripped them of many of their constitutional rights here in the United States, and it became a pattern around the globe in many Western democracies, for lack of a better word. I can remember what I was doing that day. I got up that morning. I was doing some part-time work for a company called Clear Channel Communications, now known as iHeartRadio. They had six radio stations in the Sarasota, Venice, Bradenton area where we lived. I was the pastor of a mission church. So there wasn't a whole lot of money. So I worked part-time to supplement my income. And it was a Wednesday. I got up to go to work. And my job was going to be to go in and take care of some maintenance in one of the studios and upgrade a computer. It was not going to be a very big, long day. And from there, 
I had some ministry calls that I wanted to make later that afternoon. And I was also getting ready for a major appointment that was supposed to occur the very next day on the 12th. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. So a light day at work, ministry, and preparing for a very important meeting. So I got in my car and started heading up the highway from Venice to Sarasota. I was going to take the interstate. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's not, depending on the time of the day. And I got out of my neighborhood, and I'm almost getting on to Interstate 75 in Venice, Florida, when the story breaks on the radio that some kind of an aircraft had hit one of the World Trade Centers. Now, at that point, it didn't panic anybody. It was a sad-sounding story, and, and my mind went back over the many years in New York City with the various airplanes and helicopters that do traffic reports. I can remember, I'm trying to remember the year, when the WNBC radio helicopter crashed during a rush hour, killing the pilot and the reporter on board. And so my first reaction was, man, something happened to one of those helicopters or aircraft, and it lost control and it plowed into the building. Well, I had watched those World Trade Center buildings go up because I was in college in New York at the time. Those buildings were built. Didn't think much about it. Then someone said, well, maybe it was a small commuter airliner. I mean, nobody knew what it was because, I mean, who's really staring? And then the word came out, it may have been something bigger. And then we got the story not that many minutes later as I'm heading in to Sarasota. Got off the exit to head to the studios. And there was the announcement that a the other World Trade Center building had been hit. Obviously, something's really happening. What is it? Now, I need to also remind you something else was going on that day in the city of Sarasota. 9-11, of course, a turning point in American history. And Booker Elementary School in Sarasota will forever be a part of that history. President George W. Bush was at the school for a reading event when his chief of staff, Andrew Card, whispered in his ear about the attacks. This is the first time President Bush was made aware. Now, the one thing I do remember were traffic tie-ups around Sarasota. Of course, when a president comes to town... It does impact the community for security purposes, obviously. And I can remember going to work realizing there's a lot of traffic and you can't get on certain roads because the president was at the Booker Elementary School just on the north side of the city of Sarasota. I made it across the bridge to the area that I had to go to, where I was working at, and got in there, and they had a TV set on, and everybody on staff was gathered around this one television set in this one studio room. We're all trying to figure out what just happened. 
And then just before the president left Sarasota, he made some remarks to the parents gathered in the room. He'd been taken away from the reading that he was doing. This is for the No Child Left Behind. And he came back a little bit later, and we heard him say this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a difficult moment for America. I, um, unfortunately, will be going back to Washington after my remarks. Secretary Rod Pace and Lieutenant Governor will take the podium and discuss education. I do want to thank the folks here at, uh, at the Booker Elementary School for their hospitality. Uh, today, we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. They have done it for I have spoken to the Vice President, to the Governor of New York, to the Director of the FBI, and have ordered that the full resources of the federal government go to help the victims and their families and, the, and to conduct a full-scale investigation to hunt down and to find those folks who committed this act. Terrorism against our nation will not stand. For the next couple of hours, we all watched intently the television. We had our staff at the radio station doing nonstop news on every one of our radio stations. It didn't matter if it was oldies or country or easy listening. Every station immediately went into news and talk mode. People were scared. The phones were ringing. Could we be under attack? What, what, what's going to happen next? And I can remember after watching the two towers fall and the other stories coming in from Washington and Pennsylvania, the word going out that all air traffic was to cease and land immediately. Flights finished their runs and landed. Many flights on the way to the United States never got to New York. They landed in Canada or somewhere along the way. All air traffic totally and absolutely came to a screeching halt. Americans had no idea of what to expect next. And I'll admit... I'll admit, I was one of them. If we're all intellectually honest, this came out of the blue. Nobody expected it. It was a beautiful day in Sarasota. Weather was marvelous. I can remember I can remember thinking, what a great day this is going to be. And I had concerns about the meeting I was going to have on the 12th. I knew I needed to get this work done at the radio station. And then I needed to get prepared for the meeting the next day. I left the radio station after calling my wife and saying, I'll be home soon. She was in panic. She was glued to the television set and did not know what to think. I can imagine when my father was a teenager and my grandparents, basically late 30s, early 40s, in 1941... When the word came on that Sunday about what had transpired in Hawaii, 
the attack on Pearl Harbor. Americans went into panic and Americans wanted to fight back. I remember those days well. It's amazing how we forget much of what we were thinking at the time, but truly, we really, most Americans suddenly were united. It didn't matter if you were a Democrat, a liberal, uh, a conservative, a Republican, independent, libertarian, whatever party, it didn't matter. Suddenly, it didn't matter. For a brief moment in time, we were Americans with a common cause. Many wanted revenge. Many wanted justice. And many wanted something more. It wasn't long after we know that President George W. Bush was taken all over the United States to be in a protective mode. And they returned him to the White House that night where he gave a speech to the American people. I played an audio clip at the very beginning of the program today. And shortly thereafter, George W. Bush appeared in New York City at Ground Zero. I want you all to know that America today, America today is on bended knee for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who work here, for the families who mourn. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! attack after the president had made his speech members of congress leaders of both houses and the senate gathered on the steps of the capitol to make their voices heard and the united states for one brief moment saw unity between democrats and republicans who would have thunk it We had just gone through a bitter election in 2020 where people were denying the results of the election then. Of course, nobody was being thrown into into jail or prison. America had been attacked. America wanted to make things right. And for one brief moment in time, America was united. 
I can remember that evening, glued to the television set, watching the news, and and Britt Hume at Fox News had just been talking about what the Speaker of the House and other leaders had been discussing. And as he was talking, members of Congress broke out in this song. Party leaders from both houses and a number of members. night when watching the TV, my phone rang. It was my father. Now, in all honesty, my dad and I hadn't talked in much in many years prior. No need to go into the whys. It had to do with where he was at in life and some changes that he had gone through. But shortly before 9-11, My father had for the first time reached out to me and we started communicating privately often by email. My father had a high respect for me because I was now in ministry and he called me that night looking for answers. Why? What does this mean? Does this have anything to do with anything biblical? And on and on the questions went. And many people asked those questions continually to me over the days after. For a brief moment, America was united. But how long did that last? Not long at all. I'm looking at the picture of those in Congress singing that night, and I'm realizing how some of the same people after 22 years, they're still there. They've been there in some cases way too long. And they're all singing God bless America. And some of them that are singing that song, there's no doubt in my mind that the America that I love, the America in which I was raised, that's the America many of these people despise and hate and are trying to destroy. We can debate, and I'm not going to today, My thoughts about what happened on that day are not as, shall we say, solidified as they were 20 years ago. I've watched my government do some things that are pretty despicable, pretty awful, pretty horrible, pretty ungodly, and pretty downright disgusting. I've watched my government lie. I've watched my government try to manipulate, control information, control free speech, deny you of your rights. They used 9-11. I don't care what anybody says. In retrospect, the Patriot Act was the beginning of the unraveling of our freedom in this country. FISA courts, look how that got abused not long ago to go after foreign terrorists. They used it to go after a 
duly elected president of the United States falsely, and nobody's gone to prison yet. Nobody's been charged. Nobody's been charged with treason. We are in worse shape today than we were on September 11th at 7 a.m. Eastern time. We're worse off than we've ever been. And 9-11, it didn't take long before the leftist media wanted the pictures of the airplanes and, and the people covered in that white dust running around the city before they wanted to scrub that from the TV, never to be seen from or heard from again. I wonder why. Too many people may have found it offensive. And so on one side, all of the new laws for security from the TSA to scanning your mail, everything that is done, tech tyrants that have exploded in growth for mapping. Let me, let me give you a little inside scoop here about a little company that was just getting their start back then called Google. Started in a garage, if I'm not mistaken, as an idea for a search engine. Now probably one of the largest corporations on the planet. And how much of your life goes through their servers and their free stuff? By the way, I remind you, if you have a Gmail account, just reminding you of this, it's free. And you want to know why? Because when you sign up, you give them the right to read your email. How do you think they target you for advertising? And understand that they're more than willing to share email with any government agency that would request it. Just so you know. It's not private. It is not secure. You have no privacy with anything Google. Your, your Google documents, they're, they're all free, but you pay a price. Google loves giving you free stuff because they sell your data to corporations and governments. Let me say that again if you didn't catch it. This is part of the post-9-11 world in which we now live. Google reads your email. Google tracks your every move on your on your Android phone. Of course, Apple does too. Everybody's making mega billions on your data because data is, well, it's a commodity, a hot one for business and for government. When I worked in emergency management, one of the most important tools that we had was Google mapping and layering. Google knows where all the gas lines are, all the electric lines are. They know everything about every community. For those that use Google for a search engine, they decide the things that are important for you to see. And they hide from you the things they don't want you to see. This is our post-9-11 world today. In the name of defending and protecting ourselves... We gave up a tremendous amount of our freedom and created, or freedoms, plural, we lost many freedoms in these 22 years, and all of them, of course, for our own good and our security and our safety. 
But all these things they've put into place have been gradually used against you and I. And that's just a sad fact. When my father called that night on 9-11 and asked me what I thought, my answer was, I don't know what to tell you at this point. I really don't. America has been attacked. At that point, it was just assumed by Al-Qaeda terrorists from overseas and somebody we had never heard of before, Osama bin Laden. I can remember that summer. I'm going to add this just to the equation. I was living in Venice, Florida at the time. My small mission church was up in Sarasota. And that summer, we noticed something. Didn't really mean anything to us at the time, but we noticed something. A lot of a lot of jet traffic to our little airport in Venice for a period of time in July. And I think maybe even into a little bit of August. In all the time that I lived there, and at that point I was on year number three, I, I never remembered that many, maybe going on almost four years at that point, I never remembered that many jets, even though they're not really big ones, I just never remember that many jets taking off and landing at that little airport. We came to find out later that Mohammed Atta was training to fly a jet that summer at, at that airport. The company that trained him is long out of business, disappeared shortly thereafter. Because they never reported a guy that was just wanting to learn how to fly and didn't care about learning how to land. I, I look at it now and I don't know what to believe. I've seen so many stories over the years. Some are compelling, some not so compelling. Some may sound very conspiracy theorist. Some may have merit. I have come to conclude one thing, just like I've come to conclude about December the 7th, 1941, our government knew a lot more than they let on that, to tell us that they knew. And I think to some in government, this was no surprise at all. We were led to believe it was just unbelievably a surprise. How could they dare do how could they do this to us? And it goes back to my healthy distrust of anything in the intelligence community worldwide and in this country. Doesn't matter if it's British intelligence, American, Canadian, Israeli, I, I don't care. I don't trust any of them. They live to create a world that they want to control. And they don't mind lying and hurting people along the way because they have seared consciences. I'm just going to say it for what it's worth. 9-11, 22 years ago. I remember that night, and I remember also getting a phone call that very night from a guy that I was dealing with for the meeting that was supposed to occur on September the 12th, 
The meeting itself had been canceled, but the purpose of the meeting was suddenly resolved. We were looking at a building we could buy to move our church. It was an actual church building on the south side of Sarasota on the road that takes you to Siesta Key. It had been a Methodist church building. And that congregation had gotten smaller over the years and the congregations were split. It was split between two other Methodist churches nearby. And the building had been sold to a, a car dealership. The church building was behind a car dealership off what is called Tamiami Trail. The building would be perfect for what we wanted to do. Sanctuary, fellowship hall, educational wing, office wing, four acres of land, and way too expensive for us. But this real estate agent just had this strange feeling, and he wanted me to have a meeting with the owner of the building anyway. And even though I thought it was hopeless, I knew with God all things were possible. And so, even though many of my church said, we can't afford it unless the price were cut in half, it's just not going to happen. And even then, at half, it's going to be not easy. And I held out no hope of the price being cut, but, but something inside of me, that voice kept saying, this will be your building. And I never knew how. This real estate agent, didn't understand why he believed firmly this will be your building. And he wanted us to go through with this meeting regardless of the odds. Well, here's what happened on that that Wednesday. The owner of the car dealership had been on an, on a trip to Europe for about two or three weeks, and he was just coming back to to Florida. And on the morning of September 11th, his was one of the last jetliners to land at the Tampa airport. He got in before they grounded all the planes. He was close enough to Tampa where they let him land there. And he was in such a panic mode on this building that he had bought several years before. His idea had been to really tear the church down and expand his dealership onto that property. And the city and the county said no. Actually, I think it was just the county said no because of the zoning and and other complaints by the neighborhood behind. And so he decided to sell it. And he decided, you know, he also had built a new car dealership about two miles away on a larger piece of land. And now he needed to get rid of the car dealership and the church building that he no longer needed. He was in no rush, but he didn't need it. And he decided to bring the price down to, he gave me the number, and it was a number we could deal with. And we closed on the building literally in two weeks. Two weeks. And then we had basically two months to do some needed repairs and renovations the building had not been used in many many years as a church it had been used for storage for a car dealer for tires and auto parts took a lot of work 
And I can remember that congregation. We had started at the old location right after 9-11, that Sunday, singing God Bless America after the service. And did that for several years. Until it started to get hollow. Because see, by then, the politics were back. See, by then, the election of 2004 had come and gone. The world was no better off. The world was no more united. This country, if anything, was even vastly more divided than it ever had been before. And evil was reigning supreme. All those that had come suddenly back to church on right after 9-11 had slowly slipped away back into their old lives. It reminds me of the parable of the sower. Life's concerns took away the word of God out of their hearts. And now they were worse off than when they had begun. I want to take a break here, and I've got something I want to share on the other side that may be a help. But for now, I want to tell you that this radio program, and we have been a radio program from the very very first day. We didn't start as a podcast. We started as a radio program. There there are like 50, 100,000, I don't know how many thousands of podcasters are out there competing for the same pair of ears. Sure, some of the big companies like iHeartRadio and and Spotify, and I can go down a long list, they, they can afford to have multi-millionaire podcasters. And then you get the other 50 or 100,000 of us trying to produce a program as a podcaster on the website. Who's going to ever find it? Not many, unless you find it on the radio. When we started Truth to Ponder... I made a very definitive decision at the very beginning that this would always be a radio program on shortwave. Sure, I'd like to be on domestic radio, but right now, shortwave to me is just vitally important. And when others have come and gone and come back, we've stayed and never left. When it comes to our podcast, we've never had a paywall and never will have a paywall. Won't even think about it. And we don't have a bunch of promo codes and advertising. And we don't sell anything. I don't have any solar generators or macaroni and cheese or any of that to sell you. I've got nothing to sell. No books, no DVDs, nothing. All I have is to offer to you my time, which I give to you and ask you to help me pay for the radio time. Currently, we have several airings on WRMI at various times, most days. I'd like to expand that at WRMI. There's another way to expand it on another station, but we just don't have the income to justify it at the moment. But I think it would self-support. Would you consider investing today, if you would? Go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, 
Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Rosh Hashanah coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Rosh Hashanah. Well, really, biblically, it's the Feast of Trumpets. It's coming up now. I want to share some mysteries with you. God has done an amazing thing. He set up the year with these holidays, these holy days, and he set up this age as he set up the Hebrew year. The Hebrew year began with Passover. So this age began with Passover. The Hebrew year began with Shavuot, Pentecost. And so this age went forth with Pentecost. Well, that was the last Hebrew feast to be fulfilled, Pentecost, Shavuot. Then comes the harvest period in the Hebrew year, the summer harvest. Well, we're in that harvest period now. So what is the mystery? What is next? What is to come? Well, it's all there in the Hebrew sacred year. The next holy day, prophetically, that we're waiting for is called Rosh Hashanah. It's not the real name of it, though. It's the Feast of Trumpets or the Day of the Trumpet. That is the Day of the Trumpet Blast. And now a trumpet was sound, the shofar was sounded when an army was coming, when a king was coming, when when the Lord was proclaimed king. Well, that's what's happening. The next prophetic thing is the Feast of Trumpets is because the Lord is coming. We're in the end times and the trumpets are going to sound. That's what we are living in. Messiah will come. A king is coming. An army is coming. The kingdom's coming. The Lord is coming. And so we're to live in the shadow of that. Live getting ready for the coming of Messiah. Live in a manner worthy that you are preparing for the king to come at any moment because he's coming and the trumpets are sounding. Want more? Well, here, the free gift for you, the mystery. Of the temple doors, you'll love it, and sapphires with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus, special teachings, updates on Israel, world events, and prophecy, and the secrets of strength and victory for every day of your life. How do you get these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So just call 1 800 Yeshua 1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1 800 Y E S H U A 1. Now I invite you to join me in getting ready for the king, preparing the way, bringing salvation to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. How? It's amazing. Just call 1 800 Yeshua 1 through shortwave radio. You can blanket the earth. It's Y E S H U A 1. Or write me to Here's how. Write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, my friend. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you in Messiah, Melech the coming King. Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to our special September 11th edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Spent a lot of time remembering the events of 22 years ago. I want to share something with you right now that may be a help. On Sunday, 
I shared a message with my congregation, Trinity Chapel, in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, near Marion, Virginia. And I shared my thoughts about this particular day. The lessons we learned, the lessons we failed to learn, and some of the lessons we're doomed to repeat. And I want to take a few minutes to share that message with you on today's program. Like I said, this program was recorded at Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. This is the church where I'm pastor. And you can find out about the church at trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. I would invite you to visit the website. You can even see videos of past services and messages at the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com. But right now, I want to take you into the sanctuary. We had just viewed a about a minute and a half video to remind us of the events of that day on September 11th of 2001. And as that video came to a close, I got up and I headed to the center aisle of the church to share this message from God's Word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time when we gather in your word, I pray that you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and most important, our hearts to receive what you have for this today. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Some hear the memories of that day that we will remember 22 years ago tomorrow may not be old enough to remember much. Some barely remember it, and some remember it very well. In the intervening years, there's been a lot said about the event. I'm not going to get into any of that. I don't need to. What I want to get into is the impact that it had on us as a nation And what did we learn or fail to learn from it, personally speaking and spiritually speaking? I know on that day, I got up in the morning. My plans for the day were pretty self-evident. I was going to go do some part-time work at a radio station that morning. Then I had to get ready that afternoon for a meeting the following day, a very important one. And so I had gotten up early, got in my car, left my home, and I'm heading up to Sarasota, Florida. Also recognizing that President George W. Bush is in town launching his No Child Left Behind at Booker Elementary School. So traffic is going to be a little bit tedious getting across town. So I had another way to get to work. And as I'm driving up the highway listening to one of our radio stations, they break in and talk about something hit one of the World Trade Centers. 
Now, honestly, I didn't think much of it, and I'll tell you why. I, I lived in New York many years ago, and I can even remember from my from one of my college classrooms, you could watch the trade centers go up. I was in New York. You could just watch them go up. And it was quite a marvelous feat. And I also knew that not that many years before, the WNBC radio traffic helicopter had crashed, one time losing control. And the initial speculation at 8.40, whatever it was in the morning, was, oh, this is just maybe a commuter plane or a helicopter or one of the... It can't be anything big. Until a few minutes later, and another aircraft had hit. So I'm now speeding up to the radio station as fast as my car will take me. Got there, and everybody's gathered in this one studio room looking at this this television monitor. And one station at a time, we had six radio stations, one at a time, we switched to all information and news within 20 minutes. And we gathered and watched the events unfold. Whether it be in New York City, what had already transpired, a field in Pennsylvania, or at the Pentagon in Washington. We could hear the president's aircraft taking off from the Sarasota airport with the greatest screaming sounding engines I'd ever heard in my life, shaking the building of the radio station as it flew over us heading out to the Gulf of Mexico. We were in amazement. We were stunned. What what just happened here? What's going to happen here? My meeting for the next day suddenly was irrelevant, though important. And I stayed at the radio station for a couple of hours until we determined that it was safe, quote, to go home and check on our families we went into nothing but 24-7 news and talk mode on our country station, on our oldie station, on our top 40 station, on our easy listening station. Everything went news and talk because that's all people wanted to know. I got home. My wife is in front of the television watching the events unfold. My phone was ringing. Members of my church, what do we make of this? What are we going to do? I will tell you, that Sunday, after that Wednesday, everybody involved with that church was in their seats. Nobody was at the golf course. Nobody decided to go off to have a big breakfast or whatever else they may have done. Everybody was there asking, what next? Because nobody knew. Some people speculated, is this God's judgment on America? Is this going to be a time of further calamity? person I met shortly thereafter in Sarasota, a couple of years later, had been there that day as a fireman coming in from Long Island. And he got there as the buildings came down. He was injured and had to retire. And a year he was on disability, and then he retired to Florida. And he remembers those events very well. I've got a friend that I've gotten to know over the past several years. He's been a guest on my radio program a number of times. He's younger than I am, 
And when he went through high school and college, he had this determination. I'm going to get rich in the, in the stock market, in, in, in the economy. I'm going, to, I'm going to become wealthy. This is my goal in life. He had worked for a while on Wall Street and then decided he would do something else closer to home. He lived in northern New Jersey about an hour and a half commute time from Manhattan. And so he took some time away, did well. And then his former boss called him up and said, man, you got to come back. You could really make some money right now in this economy going on and on. He said, at least come back because you were one of the best guys I ever had on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. He said, come on back for at least a year or two. We could use you and you'll make a lot of money. So he said, yeah, I'll do it. So like a typical day for him, Little before five in the morning, his alarm clock goes off. He gets up, gets ready, heads to the PATH station for the train to go into Manhattan. He liked to get to work early before that opening bell. And he's one of those that is already there beginning to plan the day of the buys and the sells and the the orders that may be pending and just preparing for his day. When somebody said something just happened right across at the World Trade Center. And when the second plane hit, everybody came out of the building to look. He never went back inside the building. He just was stunned with what he was seeing. The fire. And then eventually people jumping to their death in front of him. Landing literally 50 and 60. He was that close initially. And then he started to get farther and farther away, not knowing what to think. As the buildings came down, he was completely covered in the debris and the dust. And by God's grace, he walked toward the East River where they had some ferry boats. And the gate was closed and there was a ferry sitting there. And he climbed the fence. And then opened the gate and and a bunch of people that looked just like him, like zombies coming out of Manhattan. They got on that ferry and the captain said, I'm getting you. I'm going to get you out of here. And they came out the East River, came across the Hudson and dropped them off in New Jersey. He said it took six hours to get home. With trains and buses covered in this debris. He said, I got home that afternoon. My wife had already heard about some of the dangers and poisons in that dust. And so I got into my garage, took off my clothes, went to the backyard, and was hosed down before I could come in to even take a shower. And we burned those clothes. He goes, Bob, I never went back to Manhattan. I never went back to work. I quit. And God got a hold of me. And I realized for the first time, money isn't everything. The big house in northern west New Jersey, so what? I've got a wife, a home, a little one, and a broken relationship with my Savior, Jesus Christ, that I put off to the side to make money. He ended up in seminary, changed his life entirely, 
and, and I know he and I have talked about this at length, and he'll tell anybody without being ashamed that I can tell this. He's got a severe case of P. You know what, what do you call it? P. S. Yeah, post. You know, he he's got it bad to this day. And if it wasn't for the ministry that he's in right now, he'd be non-functional. Non-functional. By God's grace, he was lifted out. Many of his friends who were covered in that dust that day have come down with cancers and illnesses. He has not. And he doesn't understand why. God had a purpose for him. I remember specifically being the kind of church that I was in. We have these wonderful little prayer books. And I can remember that Sunday after praying these prayers. O merciful and compassionate who art ever ready to hear the prayers of those who put their trust in thee. Graciously hearken unto us who call on thee and grant us thy help in this our time of need through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Almighty God, Supreme Governor of all things, whose power no creature is able to resist, to whom it belongeth justly to punish sinners and to be merciful to those who repent, save and deliver us, we beseech thee, from the hands of our enemy, that we, being armed with thy defense, may be preserved evermore from all perils to glorify thee, who art the only giver of all victory through the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That Sunday... I didn't know what to say to my congregation. I just didn't know. I came out like I'm coming out before you today. It had only been a couple of months before that, that that the Lord had laid on my heart the way to preach is to listen to his Holy Spirit and not think I'm a genius to write all this stuff down and think I know more. And I recognized something that day, and I felt it so strongly I said to the congregation as we gathered that day, and I said it in our time of fellowship after, I can remember we closed the service singing, God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her with the light, with the light from above. And we'd sing it every Sunday, and we did for the next several years. But the Lord laid on my heart something, how soon before you forget? How soon before you get on with your life and forget what's just happened and nothing has actually changed? I am telling you, it didn't take long for the politics. They all sang together. The entire Congress of the United States even sang, God bless America. And within a month, they were at each other's throats again. My wife mentioned people on the highway were were polite. They would let you in. They wouldn't cut you off. People had a whole different attitude that lasted 60 days. 60 days, maybe. Maybe. Within months, major media didn't want to show the video stuff anymore. We don't need to be that way anymore. We got to get back to the way it was. And while there's some truth in getting back, 
after any disaster, you have this time of rebuilding and repairing. But the idea of mitigating and being prepared had disappeared from our lexicon again. We were unchanged. As a nation, and this is what broke my heart and still does to this day, as a nation, most people's hearts were never changed. Oh, they were changed for a moment. This was the foxhole conversion, as we call it, as they say when you're in the Marines and you're at Iwo Jima and you're coming on shore and you're in the foxhole going, Lord, save me. And once you've gotten through the battle and you get back home, how quickly you forget. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Well, sadly, our time is just about up for today, so we're going to have to leave it here. And I will pick up with the remainder of this particular message a little bit later this week. Now, tomorrow there are some topics that need to be addressed, and tomorrow's radio program has been pretty well planned. And so this may be Thursday or Friday before I can either finish the message or maybe maybe play the message in its entirety for Friday. We'll, we'll just see. But for now, I hope that what I had to share with you so far is a good reminder about what we all experience, those that remember the events of September 11th of 2001. It changed a nation, but didn't change a nation. There's a lot of lessons we should have learned, but didn't. A lot of division we now have that we shouldn't. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, do you believe in this ministry? There's some very good changes that could be coming very soon. And I hope that you'll be with us every day this week as we try to let you know what we have in the back of our mind. God is doing some great things here at Truth to Ponder. And I want to thank you for your financial support. Now, I was talking with a potential guest the other day, and it would have been a fascinating program, but that guest expected me to pay them a very large sum of money just for them to be on the program. And I had to make it clear that we don't do that. And this person actually wanted between $500 and $1,000 to be a guest. Well, we don't do that here. We rely on your gifts to buy airtime, not to pay for guests and not to pay for me. If you believe in our work and our mission, would you consider sending us a gift? We really need it. You can go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com, or you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.